This is the mayor, and you're listening to the Troy Boys Podcast. Joe, tell me how you feeling about the Troy football team right now? I mean, we're about I'm to feeling get... pretty good, except for Bass just dropped a beer, <laughs> and it smells like I'm in like the loading dock of Anheuser Busch, and somebody knocked a case it's over. It's got that beautiful vapor roaming out yeah. before the national anthem. It's really nice. John Sumrall will be disappointed in you. Let's oh go, my God. Troy. Let's go, Troy. How do you feel about Gunnar Watson being the starting QB yeah, today? We'll, we'll see who comes out. Oh, hey! Stay <laughs> easy in the locker room. Let's see who comes out. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back to the Troy Boys podcast. It is Alabama A&M game week. Let me get started by introducing the best in the business, the gnashing teeth of the coral reef, Seabass. He's here, the bees knees of the seven seas. Seabass coming up stream again to come talk to all the lovely Troy Trojans of Trojan Nation. You know, I, I'm upset that we didn't pull out the dub up there in Oxford, but I, I'm I'm happy with some of the things that went on this weekend, and I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah, we're happy to have you here to do just that. And a special welcome to the man who prefers his wings feathered, not fried, the Birdman. Welcome, Birdman. Hey, man, I'm happy to be here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm not in a cage in Oxford anywhere right now. Um, you know, got a, lo- got a little rowdy. So, uh, yeah, man, it was a great weekend with the Troy boys, but... Um, you know, not the circumstances that we wanted in Ole Miss, but we have a lot of positive to take from it and a lot of things we can work on. So I'm excited to talk about it. For sure. Yeah, I passed a Raising Canes in Tupelo that was pretty busy and I was worried you were on the menu. So I'm glad to hear you're doing <laughs> safe uh, and, and back from Oxford. Um, we all attended the game, the Ole Miss game. Uh, unfortunately, a loss for the men of Troy, 28 to 10. Uh, first, let's just talk about the general game day experience if we can for just a minute, fellas. Um, I'll get started, and uh, so I'll get most of the hate mail. Um, you know, ESPN, kudos on the job you've done for my 36 years of my life, uh, hyping up the Grove uh, to a level that I, I, I don't know how much more let down I could be. Um, it, it was <laughs> I, I don't think – I mean, it's like any other school's tailgating except for all mashed together and everyone's rude. Um, is, I, I mean, did you all feel the same way? Did you all have the majestic – like Wright Thompson narration experience that I wanted, or, or did y'all feel the same way about the Grove? I mean, this to me, the Grove felt like any other tailgate I've been to, just more people and much more condensed. Um, yeah. and, which I get if you're like, if you're an Ole Miss fan, I, I'm sure it's great because you wind up meeting a lot of people, you talk to a lot of people, and interact with a lot of people. But if you're the away team, it's just a not fun experience, which I, I mean, I, I think that's kind of what they want to promote. But it just it feels so cluttered. I, it's just it's really excessive, um, and it's it, it's just tailgating. Like at the end of the day, like I was expecting, you know, glitz glam everywhere, and I was just I had a bunch of rude people in white clothes. Like that's 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 what yeah. I saw. Yeah, rude people in white clothes, and like man, you know, maybe that's just maybe Troy is just a classier act, but when. When our foes come into town, they, you know, we at least say hi and welcome. And these people, they just looked at us right. like absolutely garbage. Right. I had two Ole Miss fans come and say, thank you, welcome to Oxford. Like, that's two, two people. Two. And the number of people on the Grove and the number of people we saw in the square the night before, like, everybody's like, oh, you know, ready for a long weekend for you guys. I'm like, yeah, guys, like, let's, let's do some banter. Let's go back and forth. But Jesus, man, like, this was – I, I had a good time with the people I knew there, but I just felt like the atmosphere there, like, like, I'm sorry, Ole Miss, like, if y'all 
had put 60 points on us, maybe I would like let it go and not talk about it. But Troy came in there and played ball with you guys, and y'all are acting like we're like Pelham High School. Right. I mean, you're acting like you just won the national championship and, and you won by 18. Like, yeah, like right. let's, let's take a deep breath, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, heard, I, I, heard a, I heard a lot of F words uh, in Oxford, and they were not friend. <laughs> They were not friendship and fellowship. I'll just, you, <laughs> um, um, I, you know, secondly, and I hate to do this, the Troy Alumni Affairs Office uh, almost always does an excellent job. Uh, the Troy tailgate mm-hmm. on the Grove, boy, howdy. Um, it was like the concession stand at the fire Festival. I mean, by the time I got there, I, I think they were just overwhelmed by the number of Troy fans in attendance. We had 2,000 plus people there. Um, and the tent was just absolutely ransacked. Every other time I've gone to an alumni tailgate away, um, it's been excellent. Um, so I was very disappointed. But obviously, you know, I, I think what we talked about with the Grove, it's very condensed. Uh, I'm sure it was hard to get that thing set up. But uh, but I hope to see as, as we travel to more games, um, you know, get, getting back to our excellent ways of, of uh, uh, kind of on the road tailgating from the alumni affairs. Um when it gets to the actual game, uh, we did get into Vaught Hemingway Stadium. Uh, it was approximately 217 degrees inside that stadium <laughs> for the entirety of the game. Um, but let's let's get kind of a general reaction. Bass, Bass, what do you think? Uh, what, what's your general reaction to the game? Uh, there are some things that I'm really optimistic about, and then there were some things I wanted us to show up and do that we just didn't have put into place. I, I think some of it was – first game jitters I think some of it was we have this we have this play call we have this method this is the way we're going to do it and we're not going to stray from it and sometimes you got to adjust um you know some of the best coaches adjust to what's going on on the field and not saying that John Summerall is not a great coach he is um I, I just feel like with this being his first time at the helm he was not quite a hundred percent prepared and he let the heat of the moment get in the way sometimes um, as evidenced by the, the one flag he got thrown on him in the first quarter, which I, I as a Troy fan was ecstatic about, I, I don't know about you guys, but that to me reads, we have a coach that's passionate about Troy. He's mm-hmm. passionate about his players. Um, and we haven't seen that in four years. Um, and that, that's something I'm excited to see. Um, I had people around me, Chanting, that's my coach, which got me fired up. I was like, yeah, that's my coach. That's that's the guy. Yes. And uh, but I feel like on the whole, we walked in, we did our job. We held Ole Miss to 18 points, which is below this what the spread was projected to be, which is what I called. I called, uh, you know, a, a game with the Trojans with the spread. Um, and we were very under, you know, 38 points versus 57 points which, you know, Joe and I talked about last week, if we wind up being on the underside of this, uh, we're winning. You know, that this is a big win for us. I feel like defense was a little more strong than offense, which is something that we both have talked about before. Um, and it's not a shock and awe to any of us that our defense was really going to be pretty stout. Um, but on the whole, I feel like we had a pretty decent showing for the first game. Yeah, for sure. Birdman, what would you think? Yeah, man. I mean, I feel like we went out there and we played ball with these guys. I don't feel like um, – I don't know. I mean, there, there were some areas that I was a little let down on, uh, especially just like offensively moving the ball. Um, you know, when you when you look at John Summerall, you know, he 
he comes from a more defensive um, play playbook. Like, I mean, as he was coach of uh, linebackers, well, outside linebackers at Ken, uh, Kentucky or wherever that was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then he was co-defensive coordinator as well. So, like, you know, you got to have a good – um, you know, you guys, you got to have a good track on like mindset where you're like, okay, how do I balance, you know, offense and defense on my side while also making sure I have a good offensive coordinator. And I'm, and this is no, you know, hate on Joe Craddock. Like, I don't feel like he was necessarily the problem. But I just feel like the play calling was just, you know, like, like what was the plan? What was the scheme when we got in there? And, you know, like, I just felt like the offensive production was just so underwhelming. And I think, you know, towards the second half, we just kind of, we just kind of lost a lot of that. I mean, like you said, I mean, John Summerall got out there and like he showed passion for his team and, you know, maybe it was a, not something, uh, not, maybe it was not something that the team needed to see. Maybe they needed to have more of a calm demeanor and stuff out there, especially in a game like this. But, you know, I feel like they really played into the culture of uh, the Trojan fan base in this because, like, John Summerall's letting people know that, like, he cares. And also, I mean, granted, all the things that we could say negatively about this game, we held Ole Miss to 28 points. We held, we were in enemy territory and came in there and held these boys to 28 points. I mean, not only did we hold them to 28 points, we held them to 28 points after 10 minutes in the third quarter. Yep. Like there was nothing scored beyond that. So the last, what is that? 25 minutes of the game, they scored nothing. Yeah. Um, which, they, you know, I feel like we had a decent locker room meeting at halftime. I feel yep. like we regrouped, we regathered. The first quarter, like I was saying, I felt like everything was conservative. The defensive play calling was extremely conservative. Um, and I, offensively, it was almost predictable. You know, it was it was predictable to the point of it's a handoff, dump pass, handoff, punt. Like that, that's as predictable as the first half got. And when you're playing against an SEC opponent, especially with a, a stout coaching staff that they have at Ole Miss, yeah, they can figure that out. Yeah. Um, and, and if me, you know, popcorn eater Seabass and Section S at Vaught Hemingway can figure it out, they can certainly figure it out. Yeah. Um, and, they, and they took advantage of it. It, it, and it was showing in the first half, you know, they had three back to back unanswered touchdowns. And then they read that and understood what was going on. Um, You know, we talked about the fact that, you know, Joe Craddock really wanted to slow the game down. And it was showed in time of possession. Troy had almost 37 minutes of the time of possession in the game. We really did eat up a lot of the clock. Um, And if Ole Miss had had the ball for even half of that, they probably would have gotten another two scores on us in that front half. Yeah, I mean, Uh, when I I look at this game, there's there's two different things that I see. It's like, you know, maybe Troy, maybe their game plan was to go out here and just kind of be predictable and not wear these boys out too much for games that are, you know, actually going to matter in the conference. Or maybe we didn't spend enough time talking about was Troy's offense actually set up for success? Like, you know, we talked a lot about how Ole Miss's offense seemed unstable and seemed, you know, unsteady and not ready to go. But, you know, their day of um, – you know, quarterback decision, you know, Jackson Dart, he didn't have the best day. Gunnar Watson had a better day than him. But also, like, 
was Jackson Dart the key to their four touchdowns that they got? Was it there? Was was he even that impactful? And was he just the one handing off the ball? I mean, yeah, he this? handed it off. Jackson Dart only yeah. had one touchdown reception for the game. Exactly. So it's like I I I think we kind of went into a game here where there was just a lot of pregame jitters. There's a new coach. You know, there was a ton of fans. Those boys probably came out and were like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, look at all these Troy fans, and like they wanted to perform and. You know, it was just there was there's a lot of variables we could sit here and talk about, and we don't want to make this mm-hmm. podcast podcast episode too long. But at the end of the day, I saw a lot of passion. I saw a lot of saw a lot of resilience, and I saw a lot of good things about this Trojans team that I think is going to really benefit us in the coming games. Yeah, so. and Bird, I think you really did bring up a beautiful point there just a couple seconds ago, and that the offensive play play calling was much different in the second half. It, it definitely was a, a tale of two halves. If you look at the front half. We only had 106 yards of total offense in the first half, but then the second half we had 220. And I, I don't know if that is a play-calling change because if you watch the game, there was a definite play-calling shift there, especially kind of in the fourth quarter. We kind of changed some things and what we were doing in the front half just to be a little more explosive. But uh, part of it might have been that Ole Miss said, you know what, all right, we're winning the game. Let's just kind of put some boys back in reserve and let some things happen. Mm-hmm. But – I think the combination of the two really did spell out, I think, and we talked about it again, a win for Troy. Um, even though we lost by 18, I view this as, as an overall win. We we see what our problems are for the upcoming games. And, you know, John Summerall said, I want to win every game, which is great. I want to win every game too. But this is a game that you can't go out there and hurt yourself over. Um, but because sure. the games that, that ultimately matter as far as, you know, our standing in the Sunbelt Conference come up in two weeks. So uh, I think that this was a great measuring stick for us and seeing where our problems are, what we need to move forward with. Yeah, I don't think Ole Miss pulled back that much in the second half. In fact, if you listen to Lane Kiffin's postgame press conference, he was disappointed that he wasn't able to get Luke Altmyer out there. Um, and so I think he felt like this game was uh, still a little more competitive than he wanted it to be. I think the score is not what he wanted it to be. Um, the one, A couple things y'all didn't mention, obviously the defense we talked about, um, we held Ole Miss to the fewest points scored by an SEC team so yeah, far yeah. Uh, and the most and the most turnovers, so that was good. Um, a weakness I saw our wide receivers uh, were doing their best Dick Clark, Ryan Seacrest impression on New Year's Eve and dropping the ball. Um, <laughs> we had a whole – I mean, if you, you gave Gunner, you know, conservative six of those, um, he would have had a, a, a career day. Um, now, they weren't long passes, uh, but our guys have to do better. Um, one thing I saw that made me very happy um, was the secondary players were always looking back at the ball. Um, mm-hmm. That's great defense and also keeps you from getting flagged. Um, that is something we did not see over the past three years. Um, and nobody yet has said the name Zach Evans. Uh, boy, number six for Ole Miss, uh, the transfer from Texas Christian University. Uh, if they didn't have them, I think not only would they have been in trouble on Saturday, I think they'd be in trouble the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a generational-type player. Um, the good news is, boys, we are not going to see another player of the caliber of Zach Evans this season. Um, he's, he's just not on our schedule. Um, he he was their engine during that first half. Um, you know, and we he, he simply is – he is a power five level running back. Uh, in in every single way, um, and sometimes you just come out and and there's a guy that you know it oftentimes took three or four cardinal caps to get on him to get him down, um, and and he was he was just a little too quick uh, for most of our defensive schemes. Um, but overall, I think we we have a lot of positives to take away. 
um, but definitely plenty of negatives for Coach uh, to harp on at the beginning of this week and fix heading into next week. The most important highlight of the game, of course, we're so excited to welcome back for the first time this season the segment where Birdman gets out his talons, digs around in this loss in Oxford, and tells us who is this week's best in the nest. Well, guys, y'all were y'all were there for the game with me, and uh, you know everybody saw uh, our special teams had one particular person that really showed out, and that was Mike Rivers, uh, number forty-four, the punter. He's a senior from Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, he had five punts this past Saturday, and they averaged forty-nine point six yards. His longest one was 52 yards, and there was two of them that were within the 20-yard line. And Seabass will say that there was actually three, but I don't know if we're going to get into that on this episode. But, he, man, he just he got out there and he punted the ball and put it where it needed to be. And I think he is going to be a name that we call multiple times this season as a punter because with Troy's defense and – his ability to punt the ball like that, if he stays consistent, we're going to be able to do some three and outs and long, long yard situations for our uh, future foes. Uh, so, yeah, Mike Rivers is the best in the nest, and I am excited to see what he continues to do. Uh, congrats uh, to Mr. Rivers, the former Aggie from North Carolina. That's A&T. right. Go ahead and, and clear off a job. spot on your mantle for that Absolutely. trophy. Absolutely, yeah. Who needs Australians? Um, we just went up to North Carolina and got us an Aggie from up there at North Carolina a and and he did a great job. Excited to see him the rest of the season. Let's turn the page, boys, for a minute uh, and look at the upcoming Alabama A&M game. Um, as we look at it, you know, I don't think we need to spend too much time breaking this down. We did that in the preview. Um, obviously, they had a very tough go of it at Protective Stadium um, against UAB. Um, and, you know, I don't know that they're going to do much better uh, um, against Troy. I do believe they're going to probably trot out Quincy Casey at quarterback. I think they're going to try mm-hmm. during this Troy game to kind of narrow down who that starter is as they prepare for Austin P at home and then to go into their SWAC schedule. Uh, but I really think this should be a solid shellacking. I can't find a line on this game. Um, you know, I, I think it probably comes out at, 25 26 and a half points something like that and and i would i would stay away from it but i would be very very tempted to take troy in the points just because um not only is this a a, an fcs team um i think it's an fcs team that's still trying to kind of figure out what its identity is Mm -hmm. uh bass what do you think yeah i think this is a game that uh john summerall can have a real good time with uh defensively you know the the quarterback, Xavier Langford, he, he, he kind of does this dual threat thing. Last game against UAB, he had 10 rushing attempts on top of his 12 passing attempts. Um, so he, he really likes to scramble. But if we can get in the backfield and isolate him and force him to make some rough throws, we will have a great game defensively. And then offensively, you know, Joe Craddock has an opportunity to really play around with some things. Does he want to maintain this uh, rush-heavy look right now for offense which you know it to me it doesn't really align with the Trojan identity I'm so used to us being a an up and down real quick kind of team um but if that's something he wants to maintain this I think this is a good game for him to give that another shot just to see if that's what he wants to do or not um but I feel like that this overall is gonna be a good game for the Trojans and yeah if I were a betting person if this had an actual line I would say it's in the mid-20s to 30 range all right Birdman what do you see from up there in the sky 
Oh, man. I think Alabama and A&M, I think this is going to be a game, like you said, John Summerall is going to go out there and have some fun. I am really, really hoping that uh, – I, I, I think one thing we really need to see is we need to see some more, more hurry-up offense. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think we need to see a lot more urgency in this game. Um, you know, maybe these boys are, you know, they're just coming off of a – you know, off the summer and like they're trying to get, you know, stay conditioned and maintain, you know, whatever workouts they've been doing. Um, maybe it was part of the game plan. I don't know, but I really hope to see these guys get out there and get on the line a lot quicker. You know, you know, time of possession definitely matters, but I, you know, I'd ra- I'd rather have two to three minute possession drives and us get down the field a lot quicker. Um, and I think we're going to do that. I, I feel like the offense has the ability to, really keep A&M's defense on their toes. And I also feel like our defense is really going to get their offense all kind of shook up because, you know, mm-hmm. we've, got, we've got so much talent. And I really think if Craddock gets out there on offense and he, you know, maybe first and second half, let's let's see some switch up on the quarterback plays. Let's, you know, let's get somebody out there who can throw a long ball and yeah. move the ball four or five yards. Like, yeah. I, I, I really think these guys have a lot of untapped – talent and they need to be setting them up with plays that are going to you know showcase that so I'm really looking forward to whatever kind of scheme they've got coming um, and I think Summerall and them know that this is going to be a game that sets the tone uh, for the rest of the season I think this is a good game like you were saying to let let maybe put Costelli in let's see what Costelli oh. can do you know at Tucker kill crease let's take him out the freshman from Brantley let's see what he's got you know I think this is a good game for us to rotate some offensive players Yep, and I think I think we'll see that. Let's take a, a little bit of a deeper dive into the Alabama A and M Bulldogs and go into this week's Know Your Foe. All right, everybody, welcome into the Know Your Foe segment for this week Alabama A and M game week. Uh, I wanted to take a second to give a little bit of information to Trojan Nation about Alabama A and M. The school was founded in 1875 by William Hooper Council with an appropriation of just a thousand dollars from the state of Alabama. They operated out of a church until 1881 when the the faculty actually pulled their own money to buy the first physical campus of what would become normal Alabama. Many people know A&M as Alabama's land-grant college, but they are also a space-grant university. So they work closely with NASA, one of just 52 such universities. Alabama A&M's choir, if you're not aware of them, uh, get a YouTube account. Uh, They are fantastic, and they've set many firsts for an HBCU choir. Uh, They were the first to be invited to the American Choral Festival in Germany, first to be invited to perform at the Alabama Music Educators Association Annual Conference, and first to be invited to perform in Lincoln Center in NYC by the Distinguished Concerts International Organization. Some famous alums include the NFL's Robert Mathis and Frank Kurse, Olympic gold medalist Gerald Miles Clark, and of course, for somebody who grew up in Shelby County, Mr. 205 himself, Ruben stuttered, uh, and now it is my pleasure to introduce to you another bulldog, my friend Wayne. Wayne, how you doing this afternoon? Doing well. How are you? Man, doing just fine. Just got back from Oxford, uh, but happy to be turning the page uh, a little bit early uh, and looking forward to this game with A&M. So, so let me know, wh- what is your connection uh, with A&M up there in Normal, Alabama? Yeah, so I... I graduated from AM in 2000. Uh, I ran track and cross country for them, and I also was on uh, the first men's golf team that they had. Um, 
and then uh, in addition to myself graduating from there, I have an aunt and I have an uncle that also graduated from AM. And my mother, she attended AM uh, for a little bit. So, uh, yeah, my my uh, roots run very deeply with AM. And uh, yeah, so as an alumnus of it, I also have uh, a lot of involvement still with uh, members of the athletic department where we've been trying to do things in terms of uh, helping our fan engagement. So yeah, my roots run deep. That's it. So this is a family affair. The, the colors black and gold were never allowed to touch in your household growing never, up. Never, never. Okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hey, let's, let's talk a little bit about this year's bulldog squad. But first I want to ask you, you've been following, obviously you graduated in 2000. Uh, what's your favorite A&M football memory? Is there one game that stands out for you? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, <clears throat> I know some people would probably may think that I would say a Magic City Classic game. for And for those listeners, the Magic City Classic is a game uh, always held on the last Saturday of October in which we play Alabama State. But my actual favorite game is uh, Homecoming of 1998. Uh, A&M had recent, recent, recently joined the SWAC, and it was the first time that Southern University uh, had come to play against uh, A&M as a SWAC opponent. And Southern brought out all of their fans. Uh, they had people tailgating on campus from like Tuesday. And up until last year when A&M played Jackson State during homecoming, it was the uh, highest attended game ever on uh, the A&M campus. There were over 22,000 people there and A&M was a big time underdog and they ended up uh, getting an upset victory over Southern. And it was such a tremendous event because school spirit was at the highest that I'd ever seen it up to that point. Uh, it was a beautiful day and it definitely was a opening to say that AM was going to be a team that could not only represent itself well in the SWAC, but also could compete in the SWAC. Hey, I love it, man. And and to to take on the characteristics of y'all's mascot, I'm gonna I'm gonna pile on here and say, you know, we tried to get a Southern Know Your Foe last year when they came into Troy, could not find one. So the Troy boys officially side with AM over Southern every time. Um, so Southern fans get aware uh, next time we play y'all send somebody to talk to us or we're just we're just going to keep uh, repping the maroon when it comes to swag football that's for sure <laughs> um, hey so this year you got a bulldog squad um, only got one game under their belt um, we'll talk about that in just a minute but overall um, how are you feeling about this team y'all are fielding this year so coming off of last year um you know, all the expectations were really high for us last year. And, you know, we didn't we didn't exactly finish the way we wanted to. I mean, we, we finished seven and three, um, but we graduated uh, Aquil Glass, who was our four year starting quarterback. And, you know, he was the heart and soul of everything that we did. So with graduating him, we knew that coming into this season, we knew that we were going to have a new quarterback. Um and then also on top of that, uh, you know, we missed, we lost some players, uh, some key, you know, lost a couple of receivers, also lost some people on defense. Um, we changed our defensive coordinator because uh, our defense was the Achilles heel of our team last year. Um, 
you know, so coming into this year, you know, we knew that there was going to be some turnover. Uh, we welcomed in a lot of transfers. In fact, our signing class uh, only included two incoming freshmen. The rest were transfers, uh, which is something that would absolutely would have been unheard of in years prior. But in this day and age of the transfer portal, we know that that's something that's very common. Right. And so with all of the transfers that we've taken in, uh, we also had a task of trying to make sure that we get these players eligible. Now, one of the things that we've had that's been, been you know, hard to kind of overcome at the HBC, HBCU level of football sometimes is just having the number of people to work in compliance. And with that many of transfers, sometimes you may have one, maybe even only two people that work in your compliance department. So you imagine all the paperwork and verification of grades and transfer credits, all that stuff that has to happen. So we played the first game last week uh, without 20 players. And mm. on top of that, you couple that with having two new quarterbacks. So we played, you know, Quincy Casey and, uh, and Langford, you know, and both of them definitely looked like they were first timers, uh, <laughs> you know, but that comes with the territory when you have a first game on the road and you're playing a quality opponent such as UAB. And we knew that going into that UAB game, you know, I was telling a lot of our followers, I said, UAB, and you guys know them very well at Troy, is that the fact that they finished uh, in the top 20 nationally in total defense for the fourth straight year. And also they won a bowl game last year, beating the 13th ranked BYU. Right. So we knew that all that going into it was going to be against us. So the things that things that went on in that game, you know, I, I knew that we weren't going to win the game, just being honest. But what I was looking for was what can we get out of this game that we can build on and we can take forward? Now, unfortunately, you know, losing 59 to nothing, you know, one thing you can say is things. The only place we can go is really up. But right. But, you know, uh, I, I am looking to see if when we take the field Saturday night down there in Troy, which we'll get into in a minute, I'm looking to see if we can have something that can that can spring us forward. Yeah, and it's interesting that you said that, you know, we're two schools that are that are coming off of very similar weeks. Uh, Troy just lost to Ole Miss 28 to 10 um, and uh, your alma mater lost 59 to nothing to UAB like you just discussed. They're both games in which our alma maters got checks to play in those games. Yep. Um, coach Prime, Jackson State head coach, obviously has turned FCS football and SWAC football on its head since moving uh, into that position. He said he believes SWAC programs in particular should not take money games, uh, particularly against uh, PWI FBS programs. Um, mm -hmm. what are, what's your feeling about that? Do you, would you like to see Alabama A&M stop participating in these what some people call money games? Um, or do you feel they're important for your athletic department? Well, here's well in this in this sense, it's kind of twofold here. Now, obviously, a lot of times we look at and it's been well documented that, you know, athletic departments, you know, they're they've been running pretty lean. Games, they help with financing certain entities within those departments. But one of the things that I made very known to a lot of uh, a lot of people that are in our group. Uh, that follows AM sports, I made it very known is, is that 
while everyone says that, you know, we're putting our players in danger, uh, you know, I look at it on the other side of the coin is, is that it's an opportunity for some of these players to go play in places uh, like, you know, like you would go play, like Arkansas State's going to go play at Ohio State this weekend. Like right. how many, how many of them, how many would love to go back and say that they played in the horseshoe? So that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin that I also say is, is that while it's documented that it's a lot of HBCU football that's playing, but also so is much of the FCS. But also let's take it a step further. Also a lot of the group of five, just like Troy, group of five right. teams that are all going and playing. Listen, let's make it very clear. Everybody doesn't have financial wherewithal. You know, every, every, there's only really, if you think about it, you've got probably 20 programs in the country that probably run in a profit. And that's because you've got rich programs like Ohio State, Alabama, you know, Texas, you've got places where they're generating tons of money and revenue driven by their games, but they've also got lots of donors. They've got lots of sponsorship backing. Well, this stuff, this type of stuff isn't available to everybody. And for schools like mine, Alabama AM, you know, you know, we don't have these opportunities to make these kind of make this kind of money too often. You know, and we always talk amongst ourselves that, you know, the, the obvious thing is, well, if you didn't want to play money games, then you know, people just need to attend games on camp. But it's not that simple because if it was that simple for people to just show up and just come out and, and see games, then no one would have the need to have to try to feel like they need to play some of these games. So, you know, I think that I, I like the fact that we get to play some of these games. And I don't like the fact that when we get out on the field, it's it's pretty one-sided most of the time. But every once in a while, you know, you may hear the positives about, hey, I got a chance to go play somewhere. So, you know, I, I, my long story short of what I'm saying is, is that would I like to see a games? Honestly, I would not. But I also understand that we need to make this money because we need to keep our keep the doors open. And until we can find ways to keep the doors open, you know, this is what we have to do. And I know that this discussion is not something that just started overnight. It's something that's going to continue on and on and on. And I'll finish with this point. You know, yesterday that they made the announcement that they were expanding the uh, college football playoff to 12. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So what's going to end up happening with that? You got lots of power five programs that have been scheduling home and homes with each other as far out as 2036 right now. And you're going to see less and less of these power five teams playing some of these FCS teams from going to see power five teams starting to play less a group of five teams. Why? Because what's going to end up happening is, is if, if you're not one of those automatic uh, conference champions, then and you're fighting in that other six for the at large who we already know strength of schedule is what it's about. Right. You know, so so, yeah, so those are some of the things that, that, that we look at. It's here, to, but it's probably going to be going away in a few years. Yeah, make hay while the sun shines. I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, I, I hate to see Troy go out and lose to anybody, all right? But um, if, it, if we can go play Ole Miss and play a game where we're overmatched a little bit athletically, um, then 
that means that Troy women's basketball gets to the money to take a bus trip to Jonesboro uh, to play mm-hmm. Arkansas state in basketball. Um, then I think that's worth it. Um, and I think the guys like it. They come to, to foot. They want to play football. Um, college football players are not scared of anybody. Um, and they like the idea of going out, playing the biggest and, and kind of measuring themselves that way. So disagree with coach prime on that. Uh, hopefully he and coach Saban don't come down and, um, you know, beat me up with a, a duck or whatever it is they do in the commercials. Um, the, now that we've talked about that and gotten the, uh, gotten a little, stu- a little, uh, segment out there for, for the SWAT group that I joined so I could find you, um, this Saturday, your Bulldogs coming in to Veterans Memorial Stadium. Um, I know you're, you're hoping to see some improvement. Uh, give me your quick prediction. What do you, what do you think happens on Saturday? Do y'all, do y'all come away with the victory over the Trojans? Yeah, sad to say no. Um, John Summerall is a Huntsville native. Sure <laughs> he is. Graduated yeah. from Grissom High School right there in, 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 in Huntsville. He's a first-time head coach. Uh, you know, he's trying to establish a new era, you know, and I think that, uh, I don't think, I know that it's, it's not going to be a pretty good affair for, for a I honestly, I, I, I believe we'll score this time. Okay. Um, <laughs> I believe that we'll score this time, but my feeling is it'll be somewhere in the, you know, maybe 45 to seven, 45, 14 range. Uh, I think Troy, gets back to gets back to its winning ways in this one unfortunately for us well i'm happy to agree with you um and excited to welcome you folks down i don't know if they are bringing the band or not i sure hope that they are um because we always love um bringing those bands in that are fantastic and almost as good as our sound of the south marching band that we we love to have a little competition at halftime too so um we're very excited about that last question i'm going to let you get on your way uh, obviously, we're not coming up to normal. Um, not likely we're going to play a game there, even though Lewis Cruz Stadium uh, is a little bit of a hidden gem, sixth largest stadium in the state. A mm-hmm. lot of folks don't know that. But if folks find themselves in normal, uh, and Troy, Troy folks are hungry now, and they've, what's your favorite place to eat around the campus? And if you'd only order one dish at that place, what would it be? Yeah, so if you come, to, if you come up there, you got to go to Saks Kitchen. S-A-C, S-A-C, apostrophe S, Saks Kitchen. And if you order any of the catfish uh, meals, they, they sell a catfish plate or you can even get it on the side. Okay. Order the, it's a soul food restaurant that gives you all the soul food fixings, but definitely the fish, the catfish. <laughs> it okay. All that and then some. Hey, are you, you, you mustard on the catfish or hot sauce? Where you at? Both. Oh man! All right, Both. man after man after my own heart, Wayne. We're we're gonna have to get together uh, and watch a game together sometime, man. This has been a lot of fun. It, it absolutely has, and I hope this isn't the last time we get a chance to speak because you know talking shop and things like this is always a refreshing thing. It's great. I enjoyed this. Hey, we'll make sure that it's not. I hope your Bulldogs uh, have a great rest of the season starting uh, next Sunday. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us and being our know your foe guest. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Special thanks to Wayne uh, for representing Alabama A&M. I look forward to sharing a plate of that fried catfish very, very soon with you, my friend. Now it is time for a segment that is my personal favorite. We're going to open up our tackle box, take a question that is currently plaguing the Troy fan base, and see if the sea bass can get the bait off the hook or if he gets snared. 
CBS, we talked a little bit about this. Coach said in his post-game press conference, the game plan was purposefully geared towards ball control, shortening the game, keeping Ole Miss's explosive offense off the field. Many fans in attendance were vocally disappointed in the play calling, uh, some suggesting that it was reminiscent of Chip Lindsey. Uh, you know, I hate to out you like this. You were one of those fans uh, being was. pretty vocal about it. I was. You know, two two part to a kind of a you know a barbed hook here. Uh, first, are you soothed by coach's explanation, or are you still concerned? And what do you want to see in the coming weeks in terms of offensive play calling? Uh, I think against Ole Miss, it was the right move. Um, Lane Kiffin is is an offensive mind. He has a lot of talented players at his fingertips and at his disposal. Um, and I feel like if we had not gone in with a slow the game down mentality, this would have been a 50-something game to 10. Um, so I feel like it was the right call for Ole Miss. Is it going to be the right call for Alabama AM? Probably not. Is it going to be the right call for App State? Probably not. You know, if my memory serves me right, go back to schedule gate. Um, App State plays Texas AM this week. Uh, if my memory serves right, am I correct on that? Did you even look at the schedule? Did I even look at the schedule? Um, I, I, and so they're going to come down beat down, exhausted. So we don't need to be slow. We don't need to give them an opportunity to breathe. We need to just put the gas pedal down ourselves. Um, I, I feel like we need to go back to the original Trojan identity of hurry up offense and heave the ball down the field and then hand it off once they think they figured it out. Um so I feel like for this game we just had, that was the right call. Was it the Troy Trojan offense I wanted to see? Absolutely not. I mean, we are stacked at quarterback. And Vidal had a rough time. You know, he really couldn't get it together. Um, you know, Ole Miss's defensive line was just too much. So I feel like in the future, though, we need to kind of move towards the, the Trojan identity that we're used to seeing. And it was evident in the back half of the game when we started moving to a little more of a pass-heavy defense or offense. Um, it kind of started working out for us again because that's what our team was built to do. But I feel like for the Ole Miss game, it was the right call. Okay. All right. Well, glad to glad to see Summerall was able to uh, to soothe that a little bit uh, and get Seabass firmly back into the uh, John Summerall camp. Um, to end this show, we're going to do a segment um, that is becoming more and more detrimental to my health, both mental and physical each week. Uh, and that is when I put on my fireproof gear and I dive into the absolute inferno that is TroyFans.com to bring all of our listeners the TroyFans.com. Hot take of the week. <laughs> All right, so, you know, when we started this, Troy fans was really kind of one of the only places, you know, Troy people knew to go. There's been an explosion in kind of a social media Sunbelt gathering places, and I'm all about it. The Troy boys are all about it. You'll see our account in there mixing it up. Um, I just have a kind of a general warning to start this segment. If you post in a Sunbelt group and your profile picture has like an SEC logo on it. Is a picture, is a picture I already, know, the I SEC already know where you're going with this. This is you know, idea. I'm just saying, just, you know, prepare for me to dunk on you like LeBron in his prime. All right. Like, I, like Miami LeBron, I will dunk on you. You will be in a poster. Um, I don't care. Like <laughs> I get that you root for multiple teams. Cool story, bro. You're in a Sunbelt group. Like if you care that much, 
you know, put an eagle or whatever in there. You know, you got a you got a bulldog from Athens in your profile picture. I'm not going to take you seriously. That's that's just me. Hail Southern. Um, yeah, yeah. So so you know, I'll argue about who's the real GSU. You know, I mean, I'll get into that debate if you want to. But you know, I this kind of like, well, let me let me ride let me ride both uh, both horses. You know, that that don't work too well for me. So so pick one and stay on it. Um, but but I had to get back into our original uh, form of social media for Troy fans over at TroyFans.com. Let me just give you boys a little sample of the absolute Chernobyl-level breakdown that went down on the Ole Miss game thread on Troy fans. Uh, so here are just some quotes. Uh, honeymoon is over, folks. Right now, Ole Miss looks like a high school team out playing around with little league boys. We look like absolute garbage right now. Honestly, worse than last year is how I currently feel right now. Can't tackle, can't run, can't catch. New year, same Troy football. This is embarrassing. <laughs> I want this to stop. This is not fun anymore. So for the winner this week, one person came on and just absolutely described the Troy fan base brilliant, brilliantly and in, in in the face of all this heat, and there are page, there are 13 pages of what I just read to you. And this one post, you know, just clarion call uh, of truth and righteousness here. And, and it said, uh, we're just a manic, depressive, self-loathing fan base. Our program has some great moments in its history, and that gives us high expectations, rightly so. We just can't manage our passion and our expectations. We go from thinking we can beat anyone, anytime, anywhere, to hating ourselves and our dog, and those heaven heavens and hells are not even an inch apart. It's tiresome. To you, sir, I say thank you. Uh, it, it is time for someone to say to the people of Troy fans, to say to the people that attend games, uh, we gotta we gotta slow down a little bit on how quickly we go from uh, you know we are Trojans one and all to we don't know what to do with the ball. I mean, you know, we're just getting it together. We got a new coaching staff. Give these folks a little bit of time. I mean, the honeymoon is over. The bride and groom aren't even out of the chapel yet. You know, I mean, I just, I find this type of reaction ridiculous. And I know people are excited. And I know people have high expectations. Um, but this is not going to help anyone, I don't think. So So to you, Poster, congratulations. You are this week's TroyFans.com Hot Take of the Week. Woohoo! Hopefully you boys, you know, enjoyed that. I feel very attacked by that one. (laughs) Well, I mean, it is what it is. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what to, I I don't have any disagreements with either of you boys and people can feel how they want to feel, but um, you know, that's, that's just not the way I, I think the level of support Troy needs right now is for us to be as understanding as we were when Neil Brown was here, you know, when Neil Brown was going to play that year one was rough. Yeah, but he didn't have there was there wasn't this. I was on Troy fans at the time, and people were very much you know it's like that scene from Space Jam where you know Michael Jordan strikes out, and then when he gets to the dugout, everyone's telling him how good he looked while he struck out. You know, I mean that was the Neil Brown first year. Like, oh yeah, we lost, but we looked great in that loss, coach. Um, and now I think you know we've been a little too convinced that Chip was the only problem, and and that might not be the case, and it's going to take a little bit longer. Um, for, for coach to get it together. But I have faith um, and, and invite everyone over uh, onto my side to be to, you know, the, the light side. But if you want to be a, a Sith over there with Seabath, you, you certainly can. That's right. Um, the empire will rise again. <laughs> 
All right, boys, as we put Ole Miss to bed uh, and we start to go into Alabama A&M, do you have any final thoughts? I'll go first to you, Birdman. Yeah, man. I, um, man, your, your hot take that you, your winner this week really got me thinking, you know, like, like you said, we, you know, we're Trojans one and all, and like, you know, historically, like some games are just not going to go the way that we hope they will. And that's with any football team. I mean, you guys saw the first week of regular season, like it was an insane and that it was just an insane week and that's just college football. And like you said, I think people need to, you know, get off their high horse a little bit. I, you know, I'm excited about this team. We saw a lot of good things and I'm excited to see what Summerall has up his sleeve and I'm excited for the growth that we're going to have. And I just invite everybody to be cheering our boys on uh, like we should just every Saturday. And I'm looking forward to a big W this weekend against A&M. Absolutely. Seabass, any final comments? Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season. You know, uh, game one's behind us. Don't look in the rearview mirror. Move ahead, and we're going to have a great rest of our season. And you know, th- this loss does not define us. We can still win the West. We can still win the Sun Belt. You know, let, let's move forward and uh, let's have a great season. Go Trojans! Absolutely. All right, for the Sea Bass and the Birdman, we are so happy that you joined. Please subscribe, rate, review, share this podcast with your friends. Share it on your Facebook. Uh, get the Troy boys out there. Uh, and we are very uh, appreciative of you listening each and every week. Uh, so once again, go Trojans. And as always, God bless you, Blaze Brown.